Hi, I'm Tony. And I'm Patrick. And we'd like to welcome you back to Cave to the Cross Apologetics, where we are working our way through the book by Jason Lau, uh, Finding Faith in an Age of Reason, Refuting Alleged Bible Contradictions. Right, and he's gone through uh, a good number of these, uh, 420 in the book, and what we're doing is just uh, covering a few, adding to a few of the uh, the answers, showing that this is a good reference book, and that um, that there's definitely more that you can read into and expand upon these answers, but uh, this is kind of a, a good little puddle jumper of a book where uh, it kind of gives you a, a good launching point into kind of looking at a, a at least uh, a direction of where to take an answer if, if someone asks you. So this is a, a reference book, and so we're just kind of going through a few of them. Yeah, yeah. So we have worked our way. I believe we're up to uh, 329 out of his 420. And 20. Yeah, yeah, so we've done a lot here, but uh, we have just a few more to go. This is actually the last chapter, as uh, we mentioned last time. So we'll uh, we'll work our way through as many of these as we can here yeah. in the next few minutes, and then um, uh, and then see where we go from there. So we're up to three twenty nine, and this one is the issue: Is God the creator of evil? Second uh, Kings six thirty three and Isaiah uh, forty five uh, and Amos three six says yes, but First John four eight says no. Uh-huh. Right. And we have this question not only from uh, unbelievers, but uh, this is also a question that um, believers from different camps struggle with or have different answers for. Um, so I think uh, Lyle here tends to give uh, more in the in the common uh, uh, parlance of, of of what most of us kind of come to uh, to accept as as the uh, the answer here. So, uh, but th- not to say that this is the fullest answer or uh, the uh, complete cl- correct answer. Yeah. I mean, there Actually, are, this one is the, pretty short. He does, yeah. deals with this with just the, one paragraph. The, right? the tomes of, of evil in, in regard to um, uh, what how Christianity answers it is definitely um, uh, something Could that... Could probably be a book in itself. Yeah, in fact, there's there's one author that... In fact, uh, many books. I, I was just reading his... He announced on Facebook that uh, the, the Theodicy is, is his next book. So oh, I'm looking okay. forward to that one. Yeah, so. yeah. So what's the? How do we answer? Is God the creator of uh, evil? Second Kings six thirty three says what? You want to? You have that one queued up? For sure. Us? And while he was still speaking with them, the messenger came down to him and said, "The trouble is from Yahweh. Why would I wait for Yahweh any longer?" Right. So the the idea of trouble there is the same kind of mm-hmm. same issue as evil, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, the Isaiah passage forty five seven: uh, I form light and create darkness. I make well being and create calamity or evil. Uh, I am Yahweh who does all these things. Yeah, so again, it seems like there is evil there yeah. that God is, is responsible for. But then all First John 4, 8 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So how can God both be love and be the author of evil? Yeah. So what uh, Lyle tells us here is we have what he calls the uh, equivocation fallacy right. on the word evil. Mm-hmm. In fact, we've kind of seen it there in those various readings. Yeah, right? depending evil. on your, your translation, that probably helps you a little bit there. Yeah, too. yeah. So evil can mean wicked or unrighteous. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, God does not uh, create evil because he is perfectly holy and righteous and so he can't do anything that's unrighteous or wicked right but evil can also refer to destruction calamity and those types of things and of course 
God indeed can create calamity and bring dis- destruction, uh, especially on the wicked. Right, and sometimes he uses the evil to do so. So uh, uh, people like the Assyrians or the Babylonians, God warns the, the Israelites that he will use them and then turns around after he uses them to bring calamity on the Israelites yeah. to then judge the the people that of, brought the calamity. Yeah, right. yeah. So yeah. <laughs> uh, God, God is not uh, a double-minded here. He does um, utilize man's wickedness in order to bring about His glory, and, and we see that uh, at the pinnacle at the cross. Mm. There's mm. the the the. the I, I said it before in a couple episodes ago. It's the very first time that a truly innocent person was judged unrighteously. Uh, as far as uh, uh, being, you know, told he was uh, s- sinful and 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 uh, against all his charges, uh, but then there he took um, um, our sin upon him and uh, bestows our, uh, his righteousness upon us. So, um, within the calamity, within the evil of the cross, uh, God. I mean, the the entire history pivots on that single moment right there. Yeah. So God, in terms of his uh, being the creator, can do whatever he wants with his creation in terms mm-hmm. of destruction, destroying all kinds of things, right? But in terms of his holiness and his righteousness, he cannot do unrighteous. He cannot do, we might say, morally wicked or evil mm-hmm. things, right? So one is kind of a physical and the other is kind of the moral type of connotation with mm-hmm. the idea of evil. Yeah. Right? So he doesn't actually go out and um, uh, you know, lies to someone to say, "Hey, uh, this is something that you should do against uh, against me." Uh, he might have Satan to it. He might have um, other other temptations or trials or tribulations that come about. Uh, but he himself uh, never um, is the the uh, prime prime originator the of it as, as as far as uh, the the action of it. Yeah. Good. All right, so uh, next one is 331. Does uh, Moses see God face-to-face? Did Moses see God face-to-face? Did he? Well, Exodus 33.11 says, Thus Yahweh used to speak to Moses face-to-face, as a man speaks to his friend. Hmm. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua and the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Uh, Deuteronomy 34.10 still says yes, and says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. All right, cool. However, Exodus thirty-three twenty through twenty-three says, uh, "But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live." And and Yahweh said, "Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand in the rock, and while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen." Wow. So. Did Moses see God face to face? Mm-hmm. Seems yes and no. It does right? seem that way. Yeah. Um, however, uh, Lyle here talks about again equivocation fallacy. So it's not one or the other. There are um, multiple meanings. So it's not uh, um, you know it's not a um, uh, A or B. There's also the possibility of C and D yeah. or uh, a different understanding of what those words are. Um, so, like in thirty three eleven, where he says that he uh, spoke to Moses face to face, the clarification there as a man speaks with his fr- friend, showing a relationship, mm. not so much a, a um, the physical a, a, a phys- presence. physicalness. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, there we talk about intimacy or closeness, um, and here uh, 
face can also refer to full presence of a person. And uh, Lyle says that in the Hebrew word penim is used both for face and presence. And um, clearly um, uh, the, the Exodus 33, 20 through 23 um, talks about uh, God revealing only part of his glory to Moses. Mm-hmm. Um, so the expression face-to-face then can mean in person, right, that is directly rather than through an agency like an angel or prophet. And clearly God spoke to Moses in person, right? He didn't speak, at least in these occasions here. Uh, through an intermediate. Right, right. Yeah, uh, which is what we see in the garden, um, and uh, th- there's that, that intimacy as well. Um, but uh, still we, we don't see, see God, and also when we talk to in other passages, we also have to have the understanding that God is spirit, and so the, the only person of the Trinity that has a body is Christ. And right. so uh, if we see like... Um, the, the visiting of uh, Abraham before going into Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we see the angel of the Lord and um, wrestling with God uh, from uh, Jacob, right? Jacob wrestling yeah, with God. Yeah, yeah. Changes his name to Israel. Israel, that's right. Um, uh, th- there we see a uh, the physical um, manifestation of the pre-incarnate Christ. Mm, so. Yeah. Uh, so did, did Moses see God face to face? Yes and no, mm-hmm. right? Yes, in terms of he spoke directly to God. No, be, not in terms of the physical presence because God is the Spirit. Right? Thank you, Dr. Lyle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Next one is 332. Is it possible to fall from grace? Yeah, uh, so uh, this is kind of one of the tenets of uh, the Reformation, really. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the perseverance of the saints, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, can, can can you uh, uh, be a, a sinner, get get saved, come to Christ, and then uh, become a carnal Christian if there's such a thing, or um, can you just uh, all of a sudden stop? Uh, what, what's what's the deal uh, with with these passages? So Galatians 5, uh, 4, and Hebrews uh, 6, uh, and um, and Second Peter all say, yes, it's possible to fall from grace, whereas uh, John uh, 10, 28, and Romans uh, 8 says, no, it's not, right? And so maybe just a, a quick read on a couple of those can yeah. help us here. Uh, probably Hebrews 6, 4 through 6 is the biggest one. Yeah. Uh, for it is impossible in the case of those who had once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gifts and shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Mm. <clears throat> so there it does seem like, hey, here's somebody who's part of the body, who uh, sees all the early signs of the early church, um, who takes part in communion and, and um, uh, cl- claims themselves as part of the, the universal church, but then uh, goes away. And in fact, it being in Hebrews, going back to the old way of mm-hmm. sacrificing uh, uh, year after year, the, the going back to the temple. So it's a rejection of Christ's it, it, sacrifice and reverting back, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, one of the uh, yeses, uh, probably John ten twenty eight. Uh, so this, this is these are actually the no's, right? Is it possible right. to fall from grace? John says no. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, Jesus says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So eternal life, never perish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. right? Yeah. 
So uh, Lyle calls this uh, a, an equivocation fallacy again. So we're going to see here that this one is a big one when we get to the end because this one is used quite a bit. Yeah. It's certainly possible to fall from the doctrine of grace, he tells us, right? Uh, but people who have been saved by grace do not fall but persevere. That is, people may intellectually understand that salvation is uh, by God's grace and then revert back to believing in the unbiblical mm-hmm. concept, right, of uh, salvation by works. And so that's what that's what uh, he's suggesting is going on here. People intellectually grasp what's going on, mm-hmm. but they, yeah, it doesn't really, it's kind of like the... Uh, you know, uh, Jesus' parable of the sower. Right, right, right yeah. How the seed Quickly falls, the up. type of the mm-hmm. heart, the type of the soil that the seed falls in mm-hmm. determines what happens to the seed. Here. Right. And so here these people may understand it intellectually, but then they fall away. Yeah. Right? Like in Hebrews 6, it says those who are enlightened, so those who had the had knowledge, they tasted the heavenly gifts. So it's not that they fully accepted it, they tasted it and have shared in the Holy Spirit, meaning that they were among the people. Uh, they they counted themselves at one time part of the local church mm-hmm. and have tasted, again, tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come and then fallen away. Um, in fact, even in John 1, 2, 19, it says, They went out f- from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Right. But they went out that they might uh, that it might become plain that they are not of us. Are they are all not of us? So they they have the appearance of salvation mm-hmm. without the reality of it. Right, right. They had the maybe the understanding of the doctrine of grace mm-hmm. without the substance of God's grace in their heart. Right, something, and that's the way uh, Lyle actually puts it. Here. Right. So so even in within someone's own mind, they could have this um, really this false understanding that oh yes, I'm I'm you know. In the church, therefore, I'm of the church. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm. I take part it's in. It's kind of like you know, if you if I'm in the garage, that means I am a cop. <laughs> yeah, so right. exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can keep, keep going vroom vroom. You know? <laughs> but uh, but especially the, the the first John passage, it it, it clearly talks about the, and and we see it throughout even church history about even false false uh, teachers, um, who who um, kind of convert people over to their side. Uh, th- those who would persevere will persevere, and that's um, th- th- that's part of God's choosing. And there are people who who um, are part of a the the visible uh, church, but not part of the invisible universal church, mm. capital C. Mm. Um, so that's how uh, it's been um, known, even uh, from uh, Calvin and um, uh, Ian Huss and. And ever since then, that that understanding that, um, yes, uh, no one, not even ourselves, can snatch ourselves away from Christ's hand. Uh, but at the same time, there are people who proclaim to be Christians, who pl- proclaim to, you know, d- do all the the good good deeds, like even Judas did. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. still fall away, even yeah. though they see. And uh, maybe one of the questions that we get into later. Um, even even says even seeing the, the 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 works of the Holy Spirit in action, you would think that uh, you know yeah, we we yeah. would kind of kill yeah. kill for for, yeah. Yeah, for that to right. happen today. Yeah. Just you know, <laughs> Lord, show me a sign, and yeah. you know there are signs going left and right in the early church age, uh, but still, when you attribute them to Satan, that's when um, you have no hope for salvation. So Hebrews six again, it it, it Hebrews six should be read slowly and in context with everything else around it. And that's when you get an understanding of why 
uh, whoever the writer of Hebrews yeah. is, uh, uh, is is giving warnings. So he's he he interspersed various warnings right. throughout right. the book of Hebrew, and this yeah. is one of the several warnings that he yeah. gives and, and to not to only folks. to the to the local church, which yeah. he's doing here, but also to the people who are going back. What is there to go back to if you understand the message of the gospel, which these people clearly did? Them coming back, there's there's no hope for them to come back because they've understood and they've completely rejected it and gone back to the old ways. Yeah. And those are empty, hollow uh, ways that pointed to Christ. We can't go back to what Christ has fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. Good. All right. All right. Number 334. Yes. Did Moses fear the king? Did Moses fear the king? All right. Wow. So in Exodus 2, 14 and 15, it says... Uh, when uh, here here in uh, two fifteen it says uh, Pharaoh heard of him killing the uh, Egyptian, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Let's see, that sounds like fearing the king to me, right? right. You run from him. And in, in fourteen, then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the, the thing is known. So it seems like he's afraid. He knows that what he did was uh, wrong and uh, possibly executable, and so he flees into the uh, wilderness. But then in Hebrews 11.27, the writer of Hebrews says, By faith he, uh, um, Moses here, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So uh, it seems like he feared and didn't fear at the same time. So how do we, uh, how do we explain this? Yeah. So, first of all, uh, so, well, what Lyle tells us is that this is a failure to recognize two different times mm-hmm. right and so we need to we need to make sure that we're talking about the same time clearly at one time obviously at one time Moses feared the king sure. he ran he ran from Egypt right now what's interesting here is in the Hebrew passage there it says by faith he left Egypt right. <laughs> that is not the first time when he left that <laughs> right. is the second time right. right yes so this is a different time so by faith he left Egypt the second time and then yeah. at that to, time to he Red didn't leave, leave after, in fear yeah. of the king right. right he was not afraid of the yeah. king at after after seeing God through the the plagues and um, you know all the signs that he commanded on behalf of, of God and, and let my people go through the cross in the Red Sea that's where the faith he led. Yeah, 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 good. So did Moses fear the king? Yes, at one time, but no at another mm-hmm. time, right? So it depends on you You need to know what time you're talking about. Yeah. So is this a contradiction? Of course not. Yeah. No, no, look at the time, right? Could, could, at one time I was three years old, and now I'm older than three years old. <laughs> <gasps> a contradiction! Yeah. Well, no. Right, no, right. right, and we we see the growth of of Moses in Exodus. You know, it, uh, was Moses a a good speaker? We could ask that question. Yeah. Well, here in the, the early chapters, he tells the burning bush and, and and the I am. No, no, get my brother. Yeah. But then later on, he's you know uh, uh, commanding the people to be faithful and yeah. speaking yeah. to you know millions of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It seems like uh, those are two different times. And, yeah. And again, context is what uh, what helps us out here. Context so, by is faith, king when we're trying to interpret, right? by faith, you can not fear the king after going through all that he did. Yeah, good. All right, let's see where are we here. Next one is uh, we'll just uh, so there's a lot of good ones here, but let's let's kind of skip through a few and narrow another one down. Um, where are we? Three fifty-five. Three fifty-five. All right. 
Are we punished for the sins of others, right? So if we are, that would seem unfair, right? So yes, according to Genesis, right? In Exodus, there are various passages that Lyle gives us here. But no, according to Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 24, 2 Kings, and that sort of thing. So that's the question. Are we punished for the sins of others, right? Right. Uh, so like Exodus 25 says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them for I am Yahweh your God and am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. Wow. So that seems like we are in generationals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That they're punished. And then let me find my next one. Uh, Deuteronomy 24:16. Fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of their fathers. For uh, each one shall be put to death for his own sin. So no, we're not punished. We're pun- we're for other people's sins. We're put to death or punished in this, you know, for our own sins. Mm-hmm. So which is it? Right. Well, again, uh, so what? Uh, uh, Lyle suggests there are several things going mm-hmm. on here. There is the naturalistic fallacy, the equivocation fallacy, and the failure to read the text carefully. Because right? so, there's a lot of verses here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he gives us multiple verses right. here, not just the two. So punishment, he says, can simply mean suffering as when a boxer takes a lot of punishment. <laughs> right? So, yeah. Um, so that that doesn't mean that the boxer has done anything wrong, except you know maybe put his face in front of somebody else's you know boxing glove, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it can refer punishment can also refer specifically to suffering that is intended to inflict a penalty for crime. So it can so either it can mean punishment can mean uh, suffering, or it can mean uh, you know penalty for a crime, like being put to death. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, in uh, in the first sense of the word, there's no doubt that people suffer for the sins of others, mm-hmm. right? We suffer for the sins of others. Guy walks into a room uh, with a you know a box that has I don't know uh, uh, radioactive uh, substances, and he opens it up. Guess what? Everybody is exposed for his act mm-hmm. and everybody suffers as a result of his act mm-hmm. right so there's we wouldn't say that's punishment right that's a natural outworking of what what he did there mm-hmm. right and so suffering so there was there was no penalty for that particular act right a consequence but there was a consequence mm-hmm. as a result right. of his act so right? we, we'd see that with like uh, people who are addicted to gambling or alcohol there are uh, financial repercussions because of that where other people in the family suffer. The, the, the sin by uh, the person doesn't just affect, especially in a family setting, which is kind of the, uh, the understanding of the commands here in, in, um, in the giving of the law. Uh, that that would tend to affect the children, the wife, the household, the servants, the animals, you name it, uh, especially if it's from yeah. the head of the, the patriarch. In fact, even uh, even if a person is punished in terms of uh, a penalty because of their wrongdoing, sometimes that can result in suffering, right? A father who's the head of the household, who has the income, mm-hmm. is you know convicted of some crime and put in jail. Now, notice that causes children and you know spouse to have to suffer because of what happened to them but again that's right. the consequences right. right yeah but we don't then say uh the the, the father uh 
killed another man, and so the father dies, and also the sons die, and the the, the wife dies, and and whoever else you want to mediate the the punishment out. Right, right. So separately, he says, Lyle, we might ask, should we intentionally inflict inflict punishment on people for the sins of others? And of course, the question, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Right, we don't do that. That is not right. That is unjust. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, He says, the critic commits the naturalistic fallacy in confusing what is the case, the innocent do suffer, with what should be the case. We should not intentionally inflict suffering on the innocent. Which we we do see, especially in um, with the uh, Hebrews for the Jubilee years. Every seven years, you know, you you um, property is returned. Um, stuff that was, you know, uh, uh, done for the sake of saving the family because of, you know, w- whatever the reason is returned back. So there's that uh, to the third and fourth generation, and then you know, here, here, here's the the, the return of it. That's an understanding of of um, t- temporary suffering, but then a restoration that that God provides. Yeah. So it, within His law. Uh, again, pointing everything towards towards Christ and those yeah. things too. So we could, you know, we when it's reversed, we love that. Oh, right? yeah. So here's a rich man who who dies and leaves um, uh, a tremendous wealth to his to his children. We don't say, "Oh, that's it's, not right." You know? That's evil. Yeah. You know? No, we say, you know, we 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 do the happy dance. For that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, so yes, and um, um, are we punished for other people's sin, not in the terms of uh, where we ought not be mm-hmm. in terms of uh, penalty for their crime, but suffering as a result of their misdeeds, that can happen, right? A right. consequence mm-hmm. of what, they ha- what happens, right? Uh, 62, did Jesus know everything? Yes, according to John 16, 30, 21, 17, and Colossians 2, 2 through 3, but also no, according to Mark 5, 30. 13:32 and Matthew 8:10 and Luke 7:9. So this one, I think we can dispatch relatively uh, quickly here. Um, the idea he he calls this the bifurcation fallacy yeah. and failure to distinguish the sense of the term. I guess no, right? With respect to his divine nature, Jesus knows everything. But with respect to his human nature in his earthly ministry, he didn't know mm-hmm. everything. So verses like. Uh, you know, uh, no one knows the time of, of my second coming, not even the Son of Man, right. but only the Father. Right. Because, where is Jesus relationally? He's on earth, he's limited in his his uh, kind of scope and power, he's relying on the Holy Spirit, and so he doesn't have that knowledge that he once did, uh, I, I guess access to, that he did when he was in relational uh, communion with with uh, the Trinity in, yeah. in heaven. Yeah. So so, if you make this distinction between his human nature and his divine nature, then that kind of uh, dissipates, I think, this particular. Yeah. Point, right? Yeah. So when he says, you know, uh, uh, who touched me? The the one that grabs the, his his tassel. So he he knows something happened because the Spirit sends out power again, uh, showing his his um, um, subjective nature to to the uh, working through the Spirit. But then also, uh, you know, causing it to stop and, and having a, a, a conversation uh, with that woman. So uh, knowing that he, he does have kind of supernatural powers, but it's by the power of the Spirit when he's uh, incarnate on earth. Good. All right. Um you want to do one more here? We yeah, yeah. This one's a good one to finish up on because okay. uh, I think the, this one 
every single Christian has heard completely out of context. <laughs> by th- this is this is is the one that judge <laughs> unbelievers <laughs> seem to know this one more than John three sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- they probably couldn't find it in the Bible, but don't judge. Yeah, <laughs> should you judge or judge not? But because as we all know, uh, Matthew seven one. And that's the only part of Matthew 7 we can consider is judge not that you be judged. So We all know that one, right? In the entire scope of humanity, you should not judge on anything whatsoever. That's right. Yes. Uh, And then uh, Luke 6, uh, 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Um, Romans 14, 10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Leave me alone. Let me do anything I want. Uh, however, John seven okay. seven twenty four says, "Do not judge by appearances, but judge with righteous judgment mm. or right judgment." So notice that's in John seven. Okay, go ahead. First mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians two fifteen: The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. So, are we to judge or are we not to judge? Right. And the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> right. It, it, again, uh, uh, read the text carefully. Dis- distinguish different senses of what Lyle talks about. But what by what standard by what standard do we judge people? Uh, and 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 the first half of Romans is about that yeah. too. Uh, so we we will stick Romans one through uh, three, maybe four even in there. I'm doing a study on Romans uh, uh, nine, so I'm I'm getting myself well versed with Romans. Um, and, and so uh, there's a sense that. Uh, you know, you you judge according to biblical standards. That's yeah. the standard by which we should judge all things. Why? Because if we judge by our own standards, we tend to fall out of line within our own standards, and yeah. so become hypocrites. The the other thing, and the rest of uh, the Matthew passage, Matthew yeah. seven, yeah, right. you know, he's he really goes on to say that. Uh, it's okay to judge, but we have to make sure that we take the the beam, the log out of our own right, eye right. in order to, you know, in in terms of looking at the speck in somebody else's eye. Right. right. So it's the standard, and it's to make sure that we are uh, appropriately acting correctly, and and before we start judging someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. So he says, "Fail to read the text carefully. Distinguish the sense. We are not supposed to judge hypocritically or by unbiblical standards, right? But that doesn't mean that you know we can't determine that somebody has done something right or wrong, by the, yeah. or, or right rather, or wrong. Right? I've I've murdered somebody out of hate, and I've uh, disposed of their body, and I'm not going to the police. Yeah. Therefore, you should not judge me, yeah. nor anybody. Yeah, right. And that, of course, yeah. is crazy. That that throws." Uh, the whole moral order mm-hmm. into chaos, right? Right. right. Yeah. So, so that, that that when when unbelievers bring this to us, ask them what the next verse is or the next three verses, yeah. because yeah. yes, we should agree to to kind of uh, uh, kind of rank our if 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 we have a situation where we need to uh, come in humility and repentance to to Christ and say, here's something that that I definitely know I need to take care of, but than to look at somebody else and say, and you too, and it's ten times worse, and you know, whatever else that you can make it, so that that uh, kind of um, uh, uh, relationship aspect of the 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 speck and the, the beam is important there too, as far, far as uh, uh, Matthew seven goes. So, all right, we do so judge. another alleged contradiction right. here uh, goes uh, goes the way of uh, proper interpretation. 
shocking. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so that's going to end our time for today. Yeah. And, uh, Probably one more in this chapter. Yes and knows has has a, a, a lot to, to, to do within the Bible, yeah. uh, especially for skeptics and people who just generally have questions. Um, but hopefully uh, these have been helpful. And again, we're expanding upon Dr. Lyle's uh, answers here. And uh, hopefully that's uh, beneficial to you. So as always, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.